KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. So I've learned really early on just be yourself, they see you. Be good to them. And I tell my team this every year. I'm going to be hard on you on the court, but you need anything, I'm going to be the first one there to help you. I have your back. We are family. And I think my teams know that, and I think that that's why I've had success in relationship with kids. I love them. And our guest this week, Lisa Gadeka. She just finished her 34th season as the head girls basketball coach at Gloucester Catholic High School. She is the winningest coach In the history of South Jersey, she also was a star for Harry Peretta at Villanova University. Lisa, thanks so much for coming into the studio. Hi, Matt. Thanks. Thanks for being here. So winning as coach in South Jersey, incredible accomplishment. What does it mean to you? You you accomplished it this past season, so you've had a little time to kind of let it set in. What does it mean to you, and were you surprised at what it led to as far as an outpouring of support and emotion and stuff? So it tells me that I've been coaching for a lot, a lot of years, that I'm getting older. But when I think of that, I think of all the kids that I've been blessed to coach for the past 34 years. I do not take that for granted. Basketball has been so good to me. And for me, I'm not very big at all on awards or accomplishments, but this was special because I felt every kid I coached had a hand on this accomplishment. So grateful, love every kid that I've ever coached. And it meant a little bit more because it represented the great kids and and assistants that I've had throughout the year. Um, As far as the outpouring, I mean, there's so much love out there. I just respect all the kids that I've coached, the players, and I appreciate anybody that texts me or tweeted at me or called me to congratulate me. But what they have to realize is their hands are also in it. When you're dealing with something like this, You can be as modest as you want, but you hit a certain point where you kind of know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of the when and what it looks like. Something like that, I don't want to say it like was a negative thing, but does it kind of hang over? Does it hit a point where you're like, boy, I'd just like to kind of get over this? Or were you not really that focused and whatever happens, happens? So I wasn't focused at all. I, I didn't even know that I was approaching anything. It was actually my kids that had said it, my my children. Uh, my three daughters and my son. But for me, I truly don't, I don't look at that. I mean, it is a nice accomplishment. I'm not going to sell it short. But for me, it's always about the kids, the players that I've coached, everybody that's involved that's been with me throughout my career with basketball when I started at a very young age, through high school, through college, through coaching. I just look at it. It takes a village to be successful, to come out on the right side. And I think my village is so wide and spread. And I just feel like people that I've been involved with that have been with me for so many years, they're really the ones that own this. I know that sounds silly. So no, I did not look to this. It wasn't X'd on my calendar. But I will say what was super nice, if Dave Troiano, who held the record prior to me breaking it, is a really good friend. And he wanted to be there for me. And we lost two games that he had to kind of travel. He's from Wildwood. So he had to travel. So he finally came to Clayton High School and he was there. And I just thought, what a great representation of just what, who we are as coaches, doing it the right way. It's not always about the wins and losses, but it's, you know, being a great role model for your kids. And Dave totally was that way for the many, many years that he coached at Wildwood. So to have him by my side when I actually broke the record was very special. It's interesting because I think when we talk about coaching, a lot of people that don't pay close attention 
think that, well, that's that's your job and you're doing that 24-7. You're a nurse. Yes. And, oh, by the way, the winning is coach in South Jersey. How do you balance, obviously, you've got a very successful routine. How do you balance when you turn nurse off, coach on? How do you handle it? So starting when I was 22 years old coaching, a uh, recent graduate from Villanova University, uh, working at Pennsylvania Hospital, and I knew I couldn't do both. So that's when I went to home care. So I started there and then the children started and I look back now and I really think, how in the world did I do it? I had three children in season. Being a full-time nurse, it was a balancing act, but I think it was a good balancing act. You know, being a nurse, you see a lot of things. It puts things in, in perspective. Um, so I think that that helped me. And I just think being organized and just, I always told myself, just keep going, just keep going. It's minute to minute, you know, rushing, you know, get my job done, then rushing to pick the kids up at daycare or school and then getting to practice and then getting to the game. It was a juggling act. And I know I probably was crazy at times, but it's nice being a nurse. You're doing a lot of teaching, you know, to your patients and helping them get better, hopefully showing your compassion that you should. And then as coaching, it really isn't any different. It's just a different type of teaching and then compassion and trying to teach the kids to play the right way and a little bit of, you know, tough love and regular love that you're giving them. I just think the two blend well together. Growing up, when did you realize that you loved basketball and you were good at it? Because a lot of times those are not the same time. No, it's not. So I really attribute my dad was a huge sports fan. And a four for four, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, Phillies. And I grew up that and I had the passion at such a young age. I mean, I remember I was probably seven or eight when the Flyers won the first two years. And I remember being incredibly excited. But I knew, I think I look back and I think at this moment, Fly, you weren't even born, Matt, I'm sure. Uh, 1976, which you weren't. No, I was born in 76. I was born in 74. So oh, okay. I, I, I was too taken to town. Oh, so you were, you were already on your way. Watching the Philadelphia Flyers lose to the Montreal Canadiens in 1976 in the, in the Stanley Cup Finals. It's a Sunday. I'm eight years old, and I'm crying my eyes out. So I think from that, my dad, I credit my dad for giving me the passion and the love for the game. And that's half the battle when you're trying to be good. And then my sister Annette was five years older than me. I'm the youngest of five. My sister Annette was um, five years older, and she was loved the game. So she would take me at second grade, third grade, down to the courts at Greenfield Heights, and she'd make me shoot left-handed layups, right-handed layups. I'm young. I'd go home crying. You know, I wanted to play with a doll or go to sleep or something. So she really started me with being competitive. And I think those, my dad and my sister, really started me for the love and the passion for the sport. And I think I just had an inner drive to trying to be the best I could be. And I always say I know I wasn't the most talented player, but no one was going to outwork me. No one was going to out uh, physical me, you know, physicality. And I think that drive to be the best, not always was, I think helped me become who I was along the way. And it's funny because I, I really never felt that. I was good. So that moment of, ah, oh, you know what? I'm pretty good. I can really take this somewhere. I always played with an edge that every time I stepped on the court, I had to prove that I was good. And I think that drive and passion fueled me to where I am today. So you were 2000 point scorer at Gloucester cat. So there, ha there did, but there did have to be a time where you were like, come on, bring it on. Cause yeah. I can, I can handle it. Yeah, like absolutely. So I was it's hard to believe now, but I was very shy. I was very shy in grammar school. I was very, very shy in high school. And even in college, my 
teammates and roommate, they laugh at me now. They're like, oh, boy, we would have loved this Lisa version a little crazier. <laughs> I was really – but when I stepped out on the court, it's a 180. I was a completely different person. So I would rip your head off respectfully. Uh, but I – so I knew – I knew I had some skill, but I always knew that I wasn't the most talented, so I always had to prove it, and I had to work out, work everybody, and really, that was my motto, and it still is to this day. At that young age, did you realize you were doing a 180 on the court? Like, was it tangible to you that you were kind of a different person, or was it just kind of, this is how it works when I play basketball? Yeah, I think it was just, this is how who I was. I don't think I ever realized, boy, I'm kind of quiet, and then when I got on this court, I'm a totally different person. No, it was a switch. It was a totally switch. I always tell my kids this, and my mom remembers it. Playing basketball was like Christmas morning every day. I would grab my ball from this little closet, and I'd yell, Mom, I'm going to go to the courts, 1,000 building in West Effort. I'm going to go to the courts. And I remember the feeling of like it was Christmas morning every time I was bouncing that ball to that court to practice. And I think without that, I don't think I would have accomplished half the stuff that I would accomplish, that passion. So you talk about outworking people Mm -hmm. and being physical. What else was in your bag when it comes to why you were good? Because you were a star at Villanova. We mentioned 2,000 points at Gloucester Catholic. So you may say you weren't the most talented, but right. that doesn't happen by accident. That's not all putbacks. So no, you know, what were you doing? So uh, total credit to, I have to say, all my coaches, obviously, that have nurtured me and taught me along the way. But specifically my freshman coach at Gloucester Catholic, Jeff Cohen, he was hard. I mean, I walked into that program, the rich program of Gloucester Catholic, and having watched my sister play the previous five years or four years uh, and knowing the tradition, he was hard. Every day was like game seven. Every practice was like game seven of the World Series. So that intensity and the skill and the teaching that he taught me and then coupled with that, you enter Villanova and uh, you have Harry Pretta, the legend, probably one of my best friends now. But when you played for him, it was a love-hate relationship. And he taught you always to work hard, that just because you play basketball doesn't mean you're special. You got to prove it. Never lie. Be humble. Just all those skills that they instill in you and teaching you to be a really good player. I think those two people, I can say, were probably the most influential in my trajectory of who I was as a player. Specifically? Scout your game past the work ethic and past Mm -hmm. the physicality. Like if you were doing a scouting report on yourself as a from a coach's standpoint of you as the player, what would it say on it? So it would say high school because it's it's similar in both college and high school, but especially high school, uh, looking out to run, get out on the break, finesse player, attacks the basket, works hard, will do the little things, but finesse created. I Now, they didn't have the three-point shot when I played in high school, but I never would have taken one. I Maybe on two hands, I can tell you how many jump shots from a distance that I took. My game was power, even though I was probably 135 and six foot. Power inside game. That's where I was. But always, no one's going to outwork me. I'm going to work hard. The competitiveness. You can't, you know, look at, I look at the Sixers now, and who's probably the most valuable player on the team right now? P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker. It's that player. That does the intangible. His motor never stops. Wants to win like you don't, you know, nobody else on the court. Kind of like that player probably in high school, skilled-wise, scored more. But it's that passion. College, I remember 1985, I was a freshman in the men NCAA. They're NCAA champs and Raleigh Massimino and all the guys. And I was in the court for, on the court for hours shooting, form shooting on how to, Harry taught me how to shoot. So my game evolved in college 
through that, I was able to shoot jump shots. My game evolved. I was more an all-around player. What brought you to Villanova? I mean, it's Villanova. I don't mean like, right. but was that always kind of a goal? Like when basketball aside, were you always wanting to go to a place like that? Or once you start playing basketball, Harry was really interested. Kind of what's the journey? So the journey is my dad graduated. My dad died when I was 14. He never saw me play high school. He died December 29th, 1980. Our season started this beginning of December. So he never saw me play, but he was a big five LaSalle. He went to LaSalle. So he was a huge big five guy. So I was a big, big five person too. Um, so I knew I loved the big five. I knew I wanted nursing. So I knew Villanova had a great nursing program. And I guess the clincher was I didn't really want to go more than an hour away. You know, having my dad die when I was 14, you know, it, it just changes. Lots mm-hmm. of stuff goes on when you're 14, entering high school. It's tough enough. Add that. Very close to my mom. So I wanted to stay close to home, wanted her to be able to see me play. So Villanova was the fit. I went up for my recruiting trip, loved it, loved Harry, loved Andy McGovern, who really recruited me. Um, So for me, it was a win-win on all levels. Did you notice a difference? Like, was it obvious when you went from high school basketball to college basketball that you had taken a step up? Like, was it faster? Was it bigger, stronger? Like, did it take a a time to adjust to this different level? So it did college wise being away from home. That was an adjustment, but even playing, it was an adjustment, but looking back surprisingly, I think again, the work ethic of working hard and with Harry, you had to work hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were not playing if you didn't work hard and you didn't play defense. I ended up starting my freshman year, which was, wasn't a goal. I didn't have any goals going into Villanova, but I ended up starting and, and, Doing pretty well initially, but I played with really good. We were a very young team, Shelly Penafather, which I'm sure you've heard of mm-hmm. her and her journey and her where she is right now. But I had great players, uh, Lynn Ty, Karen Hargenine, uh, Shelly Penafather, and they were all sophomores. And then I came in and I kind of fit in. And it was it was a huge challenge. They changed the ball. That's the year that they went to the smaller ball for women. And I was a, it was a disaster, you know, my first week. When we were playing pickup, I was awful, but I settled in and I realized, okay, I can get some minutes here. All I have to do is really play hard, keep working on the things I need to work on, listen, keep my mouth shut, and it it worked out. Just as an aside, why was the ball such a disaster? What was it about it? it was it just a different feel? It was just a different size. So they, that was when they went to the women's now it's 28.5, the size. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, something that you played with your whole life. It was a little larger. And now they say, okay, now we're going to play with the 28.5. And everybody had to make the adjustment. It just wasn't me, but I was just, I just remember in Butler playing pickup with the team and they brought the balls out and I just was shooting air balls. I was missing everything. And again, that took like a week or two to get adjusted to, and then it was fine. What are some of your favorite game memories from Villanova? Like when you think back to your college career, what are some of the first memories that come flooding back? So for me, probably be freshman year. We, again, we were all sophomores and freshmen, and we made it to the Big East Championship at Syracuse in Manly Fieldhouse. I remember a few games prior to that, I got injured. I had a knee to my kidney. So they made me wear. They weren't going to let me play in the Big East, so I lied. They were like, okay, are you in any pain? I had to go through this protocol in order to play, and I totally lied. I was in tons of pain, but I was not not playing. So... I had to wear this flat j- flap jacket. Think of Michelin tire, that look. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. And that's what I was playing with. Nothing sophisticated right. and, and patient-friendly as it is today. And I remember my coach went out, said to me, before he put me in, it was two minutes left in the game and we were winning. And he said, Lisa, I don't want you going for any loose balls. You're not diving. I don't want you shooting. I don't want you doing anything. You're going to run up and down the court and see how this flap jacket 
work, so the second round of the Big East, which was the next day. I said, yep, gotcha. I went in there. I'm diving, flying. I scored eight points in like a minute and a half. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to that. So I think of that. I think of our Big East titles. I just think of being with my team. You know, basketball is a sisterhood. Just being with them every day and the things you go, all the highs, all the lows. But to really pinpoint one game or one, I mean, there's a multitude of, of memories that I have. But I think it's just being a part of a team and that camaraderie that we shared. Harry Peretta, different type of coach from most personalities that you come across in college basketball coaching. What was he like to play for? It was hard, but I, like I said before, early on, I figured it out that if you go your hardest, he won't be, this is, I'm contradicting myself. He won't be as hard on you, but that's not true because he's incredibly, he was incredibly hard on me, but I guess it's a respect. You're going hard and then he sees, okay, he can't get on you for not going hard. He's going to get on you for everything else. Incredibly demanding, but a tremendous role model. And what he preaches, he lives by. You know, he goes crazy on the sideline. Seeing him on the sideline now, he's when he was coaching, it was nothing compared to back in 1985, 86, or even before Yeah, because he's that. only like 29, he's, 30 years he's old, He's only right? about 30 years old. I think he's 10 years older than I am. But his knowledge of the game and knowledge of life, which sounds kind of silly, but his knowledge of the game and his he's so smart and he knows the game so well and he's a tremendous teacher. However you want to look at the tactics of his teaching, which were hard at times, But one thing with Harry, you knew he had your back. And I'll give you this one example. My mom got, as a freshman, my mom got diagnosed with cancer my freshman year. So she called him. We had practice. She called him and said, I really would like Lisa to be home. Okay, I'm not driving. I didn't have a car at school. I I, I need to tell her in person. So I get a knock on my dorm door and there's Harry. And I'm like, okay, Harry, hi. And he's like, "Uh, you got to come home. You got to get home. So he drives me home. He takes me to the house. He leaves, goes running because he's always running. So my mom can tell me, you know, we miss practice. Uh, He takes me so my mom can tell me that she has cancer. She was fine. You know, whatever that journey she got through well, but he was there. Another one is, as I was going through a medical problem, called him. He's at practice. He leaves practice and comes to my house and stays to me till midnight. Make sure that I'm okay. Like that's who you want in your corner. So that's a little snippet of what, what Harry Peretta is about. Yes, you see the craziness at practice, demanding, but he is genuine. Don't ever lie to him because if you lie to him, boy, that's, that's a huge mistake. Learned that on a Big East Championship game when I got a technical. So I learned that the hard way, but he's a genuine, good, great friend of mine. How much the loss of your father and then to have that scare with your mother, you know, that's a lifetime of grief and concern in a mm-hmm. four or five year period. How much does that portion shape who you are and maybe even the way you go full throttle on the court because you have an appreciation for how finite, how mm-hmm. precious, how, you know, this is and this opportunity is. Is is there, you think there's a connection there? Absolutely a connection of who, really who I am today. You know, my dad from death to diagnosis, diagnosis to death, it was nine months. So, you know, never got to see me play. Then my mom getting cancer and the scare that I'm going to lose her. Because that was a huge Mm -hmm. fear of mine once you lose one parent. Right. Oh, my goodness, I can't lose another parent. So that was a fear. And I think seeing that, knowing that I worked harder 
You know, you just you 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 I believe my father was always looking down on me and watching me and I wanted to make him proud. I truly believe he saw my journey, my has has seen and continued to to see me in my journey of life. Um, and then my mom, it's just appreciating what you have. But I really believe having Harry Peretta in your corner and by your side, especially with my mom and moving forward to life now is huge. It's amazing how God puts people in your life. And thank goodness you pay attention and you bring them in your circle. So I think I've done that well during my life, knowing who to bring in my circle and who I need to keep out of my circle to keep me in line with who I want to be, who my parents would be proud of who I've become. Your college career is over. Mm -hmm. Did you think playing overseas, anything like that? Because unfortunately the options at the pro level for women, you know, the time you're graduating from Villanova are relatively limited you know, but were you thinking or were you very, okay, this is the end and what's next? Yeah, so I did think about it. Having played with Shelly Penafather, she went off to Japan and was playing in Japan. And I knew I could go there. I wish a little bit of me wishes I would have done that. Obviously, there was no WNBA mm-hmm. and wouldn't have made it. I don't think I was good enough to have played in the WNBA. So I know that. But I think I could have played overseas. I was a scaredy cat, to be honest. I didn't leave my mom and going overseas seemed so daunting. The other issue was nursing. Boy, do we not start right into nursing because mm-hmm. your skills, it's an organization, time management. I felt I really needed to start my nursing career and really delve in that. And that, and I chose that. And I never really had any regret at that. But as you get older and you're more mature and you see things a little bit different, it would have been pretty cool to even if it was just a few years to have the experience to go overseas. Were you comfortable with the because I know a lot of people, especially when they're at a high level athletically, when the decision to not play isn't always theirs and it kind of nags, mm-hmm. you know, now, a lot of this is if it's an injury or something. Were you comfortable with the idea that I'm not playing kind of organized anymore? Or what did it did it nag at you for a while? It's it's a hard adjustment because you've done it your whole life mm-hmm. and I'm competitive. And I really felt that my senior year, I was just coming into my own, coming into my prime. So yeah, you miss it. You you absolutely miss it. I did end up playing a summer league till I was 42, till I ended up was pregnant with my fourth child at 42. I ended up playing summer league. And that took a little bit of that competitiveness that I was yearning for, the um, yearning to play basketball. That helped. But yeah, you do. You, you miss it greatly. You know, that's part of who you are. But I will say that coaching probably did fill that hole a little bit. And I had no aspirations to coach, never thought of it once when I was in college. It just happened. So that was my next question. What is the door opening to to coming on board at Gloucester Catholic and to, to get into coaching? Right. So opportunity after I graduated, an opportunity arose that they were looking for a head coach. And I thought, hmm, let me say that. I mean, truthfully, that's all it was. And I took the interview and I got it and I was like, okay, now what? (laughs) You know, I got to figure out, I got to stop working at Pennsylvania Hospital because of shift work. Didn't work. I went into home care, which is I can make my hours for the most part and get all my paperwork done after the game or after practice. So I thought, all right. And then from the beginning, I mean, I think back and I know Harry and I have had these conversations. He always says, boy, I wish I wasn't so hard on my earlier classes that I coached. You know, you learn with age Mm -hmm. comes wisdom. And I kind of say the same thing. You know, I coach similarly to what Harry did. It was trying to teach the kids the right way and to be very 
you know, strict and, you know, knowing, you know, this is the way I want it done and you will always work hard, but loved it, loved it from the beginning. We need to take a break. We will have more with Gloucester Catholic High School head varsity girls basketball coach Lisa Gadeka. Right after this, this is one-on-one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Gloucester Catholic's Lisa Gadeka. How tough was it? Or not tough, but you know, you're 22. Yes. You know, and you're coaching some kids that are 18. Four years. It, it's not that ain't huge. That's not a huge gap. It's not. So was it tough those early years? From that standpoint, just the dynamic? It wasn't. It wasn't. However, I would never have my kids marry my daughter who played at Villanova, and uh, she's 24 right now. I would never encourage her to be a coach right now. Culture's a little bit different as far as, you know, things you have to put up with, and there's social media and and parents, and don't get me wrong, I love all my kids' parents. And they're great. They don't give me any problems. But I would never start. I think it's different. I would never at Mm -hmm. 22 start coaching now. But I didn't think it was hard. I loved it. And I think what my players saw was authentic. It was me. It wasn't. It was never. When I coached, it was never. Now, I was 22 and some of them were 18. But even now, being 57 and some of them are 14, we're on an even playing field. There's never ego. Never ego with me. It's it's you have a suggestion. You want to talk to me, right? We're on the same level now. Yeah, they know I'm the coach, so there's that respect factor. But that just comes automatically with just I think who you are as a person, your character. You're trying to teach them the right way, but yet you're living the right way also. So I I never felt that it was hard. I I always felt like I was at home. And then to coach a Gloucester Catholic was just an added bonus. And you've seen Gloucester Catholic, you know, it's a great, great school, but it's not a school that you want to go to if you're looking for rolling hills and fields and it's an older building. But boy, when you step into that school, you get what that school's all about. Family, tradition, passion, pride. Was there any extra pressure coming back to coach at the place that you had starred as a player? What I mean by that is if it doesn't work, and you didn't go to Gloucester Catholic. You are just a coach that comes in. It sucks, but you just kind of move on to whatever's next. Like, there's an attachment there. And if it doesn't work out, I don't want to say it It doesn't stain your career, right. but it just it puts a different spin. Like, what did you or were you 22 and you're not thinking in these big picture uh, ways yet? I think I am looking at it a little bit like that. I know the tradition at Gloucester Catholic, all the state championships, all the, the tradition of winning, the tradition of just fearing people that come to the Gloucester mm-hmm. Catholic to play. It's kind of a home court advantage. I'm aware of all that. And I think that that which drove me. Similarly, when I played, you know, always felt I wasn't the most talented, but I had to prove it by working hard. Same thing with coaching. I might not be the best coach on the court, but I'm certainly going to have my team prepared. I'm going to be a good role model, not do anything stupid to get me fired or to, you know, use language that you shouldn't be using with girls or anybody. I knew that. But again, that comes from Harry. That comes from him really teaching me the right way. I mean, I'm sure if he was a jerk and an idiot and maybe then I coach similarly to that. So, yeah, I did feel a little bit of pressure. But once you're in it, it's, you know, blinders, focus at hand, kids, and you just do what you want to do. When you start coaching, what was the thing it took you the most work or the most bandwidth to kind of get your arms around? Because were there things you didn't 
because it wasn't something you really considered Never. up until then. So were, were there things that you didn't realize you had to be responsible for or things that you didn't quite understand how they worked? It just, well, it just always showed up when I played. So I just figured that's how it went. <laughs> right, right. So rules. <laughs> rules and, until this day i think i even said to a ref today as the game was going uh not today but th- this past season i never knew that rule like rules you know you play the game do i know every rule probably not so rules some of the rules i'd have to be like okay but i'll be honest and the biggest thing adjustment for me is and thank goodness i've gotten better at it is just relaxing calm down don't be such an idiot on the sideline with refs so what they make a bad call it's going to happen. Don't scream. Don't yell at them. That is, it, it was my big Achilles heel as a 22-year-old, just kind of out of control with the refs and yelling, and and I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, I'll admit every time I'm wrong. I wish I was just a little bit more relaxed in that atmosphere. I, I, I think now it's, you let things go. Kids make a mistake, you let it go. You let it go. You don't have to tell them every single mistake that they made because all I'm doing is frustrating them. How long did it take before you felt like you found your pace as a coach? Like you kind of understood what was expected. You, you didn't feel overwhelmed and you were having success. Like what, how long till you kind of get into your rhythm? Um, pretty quick. I, I, I truly mean it. When I first started, I, I mean, I was nervous first practice. And I think my biggest thing was, geez, I'm 22. These kids are 18. I got to show them who's boss, right? That was a big thing. Like I, I can't be friends with them. You know, so that was trying to find my footing there. But then I'm like, Lisa, just be yourself. Like, we're all on the same playing level here, you know. So just they know you're the coach. They know if you if, I, if I'm saying you got to respect me, you have to. I'm the boss. You lose them. You're doing the opposite. So I've learned really early on, just be yourself. They see you. Be good to them. You know, know that. And I tell my team this every every time, every year. I'm going to be hard on you on the court, but you need anything. I'm going to be the first one there to help you. You know, I I have your back. We are family. And I think my teams know that. And I think that that's why, you know, I've had success in relationship with kids. I love them. And I, and I truly believe that they do love me. They hate me. I'm sure on the court at times when I'm calling them out on their mistakes, I'm very consistent as a coach. So if you make a mistake 10 times, I'm going to the same mistake. I'm going to tell you, no, we need to do it this way. So they, I think the respect factor that I'm consistent, I think it is there. But I think it was early on. I, I felt very comfortable coaching, which surprised me because I had no ambition of coaching. Did getting into coaching make you appreciate things that Harry and previous coaches told you that when you were a player, maybe you rolled your eyes like, yeah, I get it. Uh, but, you know, you were like, you got slapped in the face when all of a sudden you were on the other side, like, whoa, now I get why they wanted me to do that. Or now I get why that was stupid. Like, was there that moment of awakening? 100% and early on, early on, when you are the coach, you now understand all the things that Harry or Jeff Cohen or Tony to all my coaches throughout the years were saying and how they see it. And it's eye opening, you know? So you know, I, uh, Harry and I, from the beginning, I'd run by things by him. He comes to my practices and I'll always say to him, boy, yeah, yeah, I get it now. I get it now. And I've, my coaching tree, which I'm proud of, I've, I probably have six, seven kids that coach in high school. They all say the same thing. Wow. I get it. It's so different when you are the coach and telling the team 
Because when you're a player, you're really only worried about, as selfish as it sounds, because it's not selfish, but you're worried about yourself. No, it's life. You're I mean, worried about your, your team, too, but you're focusing on yourself. As a coach, it's everybody. So, yeah, right on point with that, Matt. That was 100% solid of the way it is. And my players who get hurt and have to sit, I always say, sit next to me. So you're listening in here. And they're always like, wow, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying and how we're looking and how we're perceiving it is what you're saying are two different things. What are some of your favorite memories from over the years at Gloucester Catholic as head coach? Probably, well, my top is coaching my kids. And then I'd say my most negative is coaching my kids. <laughs> so we can, we can wrap them into both. Uh, Mary, real talented, loved coaching her, but hated coaching her at the same time. She. Most kids, all kids, you yell at them, they work harder to correct it. Mary, my daughter, which most parents will say, eye rolling, you know, they're not always quick. Hey, Mary, go dust the kitchen or vacuum the, you know, whatever, family room. They're not doing it until you say it 10 times. Well, that, that's what happened at times. Eight. Coaching, she would go slower when I said work harder. So it took us probably all four years for her to figure out when I knew that she was listening all along to me is her first game at Villanova. When I saw her play, I thought, oh my gosh, this kid was listening and got it. She works so hard. So I would say the, my kids coaching my kids, there's really no other one point that I can say has been my favorite. I mean, there's so many, just the fans that have supported us there. You get, you know, handful of gentlemen that have followed me since I played. And are still coming to games. The school just has been how so supportive. The players, everybody that I've been blessed to coach. The wins, the losses, everything kind of makes up who you are as a coach. And my whole career, the 34 years at Gloucester Catholic. The bad, the good, all of it. Throw it all in the pot. It's been all great. When it came to coaching your kids, how difficult was the dance of where coach ends and mom begins? At practice and at home, because I would imagine it'd be very easy to just Mm -hmm. have it be continuous. And from a kid's standpoint, be like, all right, mom, I get it. Like, you know, how hard was that? And it'd get easier child to child. Right. So Mary being my oldest and she was the most talented out of the bunch. Mm -hmm. So she started from day one and she. She should start. So there was never issues with anybody else. Oh, why are you starting Mm -hmm. your daughter? Which was good. So I learned early on that there has to be a separation. So I told her, I said, here's what we're going to do. And this is after trial and error, talking about it after practice, talking about the game after the game. And I learned really quick. I said, here's what we're going to do. I am your coach when we are at practice. I've said everything I wanted to say to you for correction, whatever, at practice and after a game. I will not speak of basketball once we leave the gym of a game or practice unless you want to talk about it. And that worked beautifully. And, and she would. She'd say, okay, mom, I want to talk about it. Like, let's talk about this. And then that's when I would do it. Otherwise, I would never because that's a great question. You have to have that separation. And I talk to my parents about it all the time. I tell them there's no need. I know you want to jump out there and tell them, oh, you did this wrong, this wrong. Check it. I've already done it. I've already told your kid during the game, during practice, and I've been hard on them. I've already told them they don't need to hear it going home on the car. They know they need you to be the fluffy pillow so that if they want to say, oh, Lisa was 
yelling at me today. And they need that fluffy pillow of you, the parents, to say, okay, yep, I hear you. You know what? Tomorrow, new day. You'll get it tomorrow. That's what they need. And so I took that philosophy and I said, Mary, you just talk to me when you want after a game. Otherwise, we won't talk about basketball. And it worked great. And then my other two uh, kids, Megan and Madison, and they always kid me when I say this, that they would play. You know, they would play when the game was out of hand or we were up by a lot or not by a lot. And and they probably got shortchanged because as a parent, I probably should have played them more. But again, you're walking that tightrope mm-hmm. of Mary I knew. Where Mary got shortchanged a little bit, she'd be the first to come out if we were beating somebody by a lot. She'd be the first to come out. You know, you're always conscious of that. You don't want – you want it to go smoothly with your kids. Tons of success. You played at a high level at a – popular institution. I'm Mm -hmm. curious, at some point, your phone had to ring from other places, at least wanting to see if you would be interested in talking to them about their job. And even if it didn't interest you, like, how did you handle that? And was there ever an offer that really kind of was like, boy, that would really be something if we did that? Like, did it ever come to that? No, I'd say no. I mean, could I have gone you know, you're a coaching at a Catholic school. So let me just back up. So if I knew I wanted to coach, I probably would have done the college coach route. Harry talks to me about that. You know, I could have been assistant with him and then see, taking it mm-hmm. out for a spin, see where it landed right. me in the college ranks, which would have been kind of cool. But again, didn't, didn't do that. So high school, I never felt, you know, high school, I'm earning, you know, I think my was $1,000 the first year. You know, maybe I'm $3,000 now after 34 years. You know, I could go to a bigger school for $10,000, $12,000, $15,000. But it never was about that. You know, so what? I'm going to make $10,000 more in high school. I knew I never, ever was going to leave Gloucester Catholic. I'd never go to a different high school. Thought about retiring at some point. I've done that. After Mary was born, I thought, I can't do this. And I remember talking to Harry about it. And he said, "Okay, if you retire and then think you're going to get back to in it again, he says, when would that be? Because you're probably going to have more kids, more Mm -hmm. kids, more kids. And then you get older and then you never get back. He says, I would recommend you stay in. And I did. And then a week later, I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter. It's just funny how things work out. But Gloucester Catholic is home. I would never go anywhere, obviously, at this age, anywhere else. I just it wasn't it's never about the money. It was about the people. That was around me. And, you know, it, it's tough to get kids to come to Gloucester Catholic. I mean, that's a whole nother issue. But I have kids that say, yeah, I want to come. I want to play for you, you know, and that that makes me feel good. I think that they're there for the right reasons. And I would never leave. I mean, Gloucester Catholic's home. You mentioned, you know, thought about retired. Do you have a retirement plan or like? Even if it's just kind of a rough outline, how much longer you'd like to do it? Yeah, I I take it year by year. People thought I'd retire once Mary graduated Mm -hmm. from high school, which would have been great. But then I have two daughters that are still there. What does that look like? You know, I want to be with them, too. Uh, My son's a freshman there at Gloucester Catholic. So, you know, I I, I know I'm going to be there at least another three years. And I think after that, maybe go four years, maybe let somebody else step in. You know, somebody at Gloucester Catholic that gets the job, they need people that are going to go out there and they're going to go to games and go to grammar school games and try, because we have no sending school. And then also where Gloucester Catholic is, is difficult. So we need to get kids into the building to see what we're all about. Their next hire has to be someone that's out there recruiting, getting kids to come to the school. I've never been that person. I've kind of gotten kids just on my, kind of my reputation, but for me, it, maybe another four years and then kind of reevaluate after that. 
so you had the three kids, your three daughters come through the program. Mm-hmm. And so I would guess there was a good probably, what, seven, eight years where you were always coaching at least one yes. of your kids? Yes. Yes. The year after all the kids have gone through, does it feel different? Is it almost, I don't know, is it e- almost easier? Like there's a whole dynamic now, mm-hmm. and I don't want to frame it like it's a negative in any way. Sure. But there's a whole dynamic now that is off the table you do not have to worry about. And with all of your experience, did you just kind of see, oh, wow. I, it's just so much different now. It is. So not coaching your kids. And after those six or seven or eight years, I would have to get a calculator, figure out probably was six years that I was coaching somebody. Like I said, it was great, but it was a little bit of a relief that you're no longer coaching your kids, you know, because with coaching your kids is going to practice. You know, I'd get in before, you know, you get in the car, you go, you come home, but now you got the kids with you and they're late or they're, you know, and you want to get to the game, your whole routine kind of changes. So it is a little bit different. I mean, it was pros and cons. I mean, I enjoyed having my kids on the team, someone to drive to, to and from practices and games with, but it was nice once they were done. And certainly now that they're obviously, once they were at, in high school and they were at an age, as they got older, it got easier for me. I mean, trying to bring four kids to practices mm-hmm. and and juggling, you know, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old at practice, that you're, it, it was crazy. But a funny story with Mary, she's a freshman. She's always making me late, 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 late. I said, Mary, if you're not in the car, by the time I'm ready to leave, it was a game, big game at Delcy. So if you're not in the car, by the time I'm ready to leave, I'm going without you. Now, Mary's my leading scorer. It's mm-hmm. a huge game. I get in the car and I went, I got to be a parent here. I left. I left for Delcy without her. And I thought, okay, I know the consequences. I called one of my girlfriends and she says, uh, yeah, go back and get her. I said, no, I'm not. I've got to prove a point here. My husband's in China, coming home from China because he traveled a lot. So he's en route home from China. I don't know where he is. She finds a ride. She shows up like two minutes before the game. She comes running in. She got a ride from a neighbor or someone. I mean, I probably look like a terrible parent. But from that point on, she never was late. In fact, game, subsequent game, she was sitting in the car before I got there. So, you know, just silly, stupid stuff. I feel like a good parent that I I, uh, I taught her. We also only won by three, so I'm glad that she did show off. I think she had like 25 that game. Mary went and played at Villanova, and I was looking at the numbers, like the career numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's ve- you guys are so close to each other in, all, in a lot of categories. And I think specifically in total points, you're sixth and she is seventh. I know. That is wild, but also, do you have any fun with, oh, Mary, yeah. you just would have hustled a little bit more against Seton Hall. Maybe, who knows? Maybe you would have passed me. Like, you know what I'm saying. It, like, yeah. Totally. First of all, I think it's so cool. Yeah. Like, what's the odds of that? Right. First of all, playing at the same school with the same coach. My proudest moment was when she walked out of Villanova wearing that uniform for the first game. I just, I couldn't contain myself. I thought it was cool with Harry Pareto on the sideline. She's seventh, I'm um, sixth. You know, of course, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I would have loved for her to pass me. Absolutely. But now that she's behind there, of course, she blames COVID because they missed out on the NIT. So she figures off, oh, we could have gone far and with, you know, I could have maybe passed. I'm like, Mayor, I don't know. You missed a lot of layups there in this one game and some foul shots, you know, so we go back and forth with it. But truly, it's, it's a huge accomplishment for the both of us for, to be there. Totally, totally proud of her. It is amazing. That there is something like something that is open ended like that that is mm-hmm. going to lead to just endless discussions for the yeah. rest of your lives about what could have happened and and where have the kids changed? I don't mean your kids. I mean yeah. the kids you coach like from 
when you start in the 80s to now? Are the kids different or is just what's available to kids yeah. different? I think society's way different. So I think that they are different a little bit. But when you peel them back from the kids that I coached in 1989, 90 to now, you peel all the layers of the exact same kid. They want to be successful. They're good, good-hearted kids. They want to work hard. They listen to you. Uh, so I think in essence they are the same kid once you get them away from their phone, once you get them away from social media, once you get them focused on the court, it is the same kid. You have your kids that don't want to work hard and you have your kids that work hard. And it's my job to teach the kids that don't want to work hard to work hard. So I say that they are the change, but society, it makes it a little bit, a little bit more difficult. Uh, did I have parental problems when I was younger? Sure. Do I have them now? Really, no, because I think of I'm seasoned. Mm-hmm. Boy, am I seasoned, <laughs> okay? You know, all these years, I, I don't, but I see some of my other players that are coaches now that are a little bit younger. Things they shouldn't have to go through. Right. But it's just who we are as a society now and just, you know, helping them and teaching them. Favorite part of what you do? Coaching, my favorite part is teaching, being with my kids in the gym, not games. It's, it's, it's the practices. It's the teaching. My relationship, I would say number one is my relationship that I have with my players. I'm very, very proud of that. Do you love to win or hate to lose more? Which one? So it, it's, it's hate to win. I hate to lose. <laughs> oh, hate to win. That would be bad. <laughs> Boy, I wouldn't be coaching long if that was my motto. Hate to, uh, hate to lose. But as I've gotten older, you know, you know, I would, boy, season-ending losses when I was 22, 23. I cringe now. It would take me months to get over them. Ridiculous. But that's just with age comes wisdom. Thank goodness we mature. Now, really, either winning and losing doesn't have the same impact at all. But doesn't, doesn't diminish or dull my passion. Just everything in perspective, you know, life, you know, you've been through a lot. Everybody has their journey. So you win. Okay, good. You lose. It doesn't sting as much. But if I had to answer that question, it's always the losing part that's worse. Final question. What are you most proud of, of your, of your life in basketball? My life in basketball. That's a great question. Let me think about this. I think the people Along the way, and I know that sounds cheesy and stupid, but it's the people along the way. It's the refs. It's the person that said, hey, great job, or said, hey, you'll get them next time. It's all the coaches that I had, all the players I've been blessed to stand by, side by side, playing with them from when I was fourth grade on my first team all through college. It's my players now that I get to be with every day. It's it's opposing players. It's it's people. That. Basketball has been so good to me, and I think, what would my life have been without basketball? You know, and I don't just mean the accomplishment or zero play, but the people that have surrounded me my whole life because of basketball. So I think that I cherish the most out of anything that I can think of. Lisa Gadeka, thanks so much for coming in. This has been a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Gloucester Catholic High School's head varsity girls basketball coach, Lisa Gadeka, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.